This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Hi, welcome back to Mother Other. Today I'm speaking with mother and writer Claire Thomas, author of The Performance, one of my favourite novels of the year so far. What Claire has done with The Performance is take the female experience and examine it through the inner lives of three unique characters, two of whom are mothers themselves. Claire actually reads a passage from her book in today's conversation, so you will see what I mean when I say that it is one of the best Australian books of the year, in my humble opinion. And on that note, you are in for a real treat today. The conversation that I share with Claire is so rich with philosophical musings on motherhood. Claire brought some profound thoughts to this ongoing conversation that I have here at Mother Other and left me with a lot to digest. I always walk away feeling so privileged when I have these discussions with writers. Something about the way they approach these big topics without shying away from the taboo. In today's chat, Claire speaks of how her motherhood journey coincided with the launch of her writing career. Her baby was just two weeks old at her first book launch, then exhausting herself creatively until her third baby came along and restarted her creative life in ways she couldn't have imagined. Claire really made me see motherhood in a new light, which I found quite groundbreaking. She talks of motherhood as being a relationship with a new person and not a static condition called motherhood, which we oftentimes frame it as. A note on the technical. Yet again, in my postpartum brain haze, I lost my own audio file for this conversation. So I've used my backup, which is not great. Some of you may not care too much, but for those who do, I hope it doesn't throw you off and I really implore you to stick around because it's a truly curious and satisfying conversation, unpacking the label and experience of motherhood. Okay, without further ado, let me introduce today's guest, Claire Thomas. It's lovely to finally get our act together. Yeah, <laughs> it's been very similar with a lot of people lately like because of the baby and because we're all mums, it's just, it's tricky lockdown. to coordinate calendars. Oh, lockdown, yeah, yeah. add that into the mix. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you like to start us off by telling us who you're a mother to? I am a mother to three children. I have a kindergarten little dude. He's my youngest. His name's <laughs> Angus. Mm-hmm. Gus. Uh, no fuss Gus has been his nickname for much of his life so that gives you a bit of an indication of what we're dealing with there uh, and then I have a primary school boy called Leo and my daughter who's my eldest Camille is uh, just started secondary school so she's in year seven so I've got kinder primary and secondary school kids at the moment which is mm. you know logistical so for the people outside of Victoria, yes. kinder is preschool, like yes. before school. So he's four. So in New South Wales, it's because I've lived in both states, it can get a bit confusing, uh-huh. but in New South Wales, that would be preschool. Yes. So anyway, that's, yes, four-year-old. A four-year-old. So let's go back to who you were before you became a mother. What was your career like and your lifestyle like back then? I sort of laugh at the idea of a career. Uh, and I also think my before and after is not that different Mm -hmm. so I was kind of scrambling to do writing in some way and I worked um you know at bookshops but I my daughter I wrote I finished my first novel before I had her and I had various kind of jobs while I was doing that but I finished university and then I just wanted to write and I so then I kind of structured my life in a way where I could kind of manage to do that for a while. And then I started a PhD in mm-hmm. English and and creative writing. So there was a, a creative component to that. And that was primarily so I could be paid to write. So I got a scholarship while I was doing that. And I had maternity leave when I had my baby, which and mm. at that time I thought, well, I never thought I would have a job where I'd have where I'd get paid maternity leave because mm. that just I wasn't pursuing anything sensible in that regard. Um, sorry, well, I'm jumping ahead. So my, my daughter was two weeks old at 
the book launch for my first novel. So, and before that, I I was just, um, I don't know, a student and doing yeah. bits and, you know, like I, I, I feel like anything that I could call a career coincides with my, my mothering in a way. Mm. It was almost simultaneous that, well, it literally was like, yeah, Two weeks. the birth of the book and the birth yes. of your child. So when you were doing various things, they were all sort of in the world of writing, obviously. Did you picture having a future with children in it? Was it something that you intentionally wanted? I had always my entire life just known that I would have children. Yep. I never thought of it as a choice, never thought mm. of it as an option, never thought of it as a variable even. Mm. I mean, which might sound a bit simple. And look, I guess I was incredibly lucky that I got pregnant very easily when I wanted to. And so Mm. I didn't have to grapple with what the possibility of not having children would have looked like for me. But I, it was just, I took it for granted that I would have children. And yeah. Do you know what elements of motherhood, particularly, um, drew you in or made you feel like that was right for you was it just a primal feeling I had I have a very beautiful mother who's very positive about being a mother and very um affectionate and uh yeah and and but she's very different to me and the kind of mother model that she was, I couldn't replicate that when I had children and I struggled with that a little bit because um, I, I I was, you know, we have very we have different backgrounds and yeah. um, I was kind of brought up to believe I could have it all and do it all and, and I was always very ambitious and very passionate and I was like that before I had children and I've, I was like that after I've had children. Um, So I think that in terms of why I always just assumed I would be a mother, I think it was that. Also I am just maternal and I don't think that this is a thing that we talk about very much like as a quality, kind of like Mm. feminine doesn't exist as an adjective anymore, you know. In terms of writing, I I saw something the other day and it was like a searing account of masculinity and I thought, Hmm. You don't see that about femininity. Like femininity <laughs> is this taboo, and yeah. So I've always identified as very feminine, female person, and yeah. part of that for me was how I feel about mother mothering and ba- babies yeah. and little things, and mm. and I, you know, I haven't had a, you know, the the. the the experience of being a mother has been much more complicated than mm. that. But, yeah, there was always that value. I value that and yeah. I love that and I think it's a, a beautiful thing and I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad thing to be maternal and I think that there's a lot of negativity that floats around that and I actually yeah. think that's related to domesticity, which is a very different yes. thing to maternity. Yeah. It's interesting hearing what you say about your mother too because I have a, a similar experience. I'm a very driven, passionate person about work and mothering. And I guess that's kind of what the podcast is based yes. on the two experiences and yes. how interesting it is to me because I have a very similar mum. I had a great mum growing up. She's been incredible for me, but also I'm very different to her in that that's not enough for me. That doesn't, I love my children and I love being a mother, yeah. um, but it doesn't fulfill me in itself. So hence discussing this with other people, because I find it's almost a taboo to that generation and even still, I guess now to a lot of other people to have both, mm. it's like it's like we feel guilt for not fully mothering 24-7 and we feel guilt for not fully working 24-7 and then there's this real tear between the two lives and, yeah, how we meld them together. Is- yeah, I agree with you that that's um, a conundrum, but I also think the way it's framed is really important. Um, mm. And just going back to my mum, she did say you know, being a mother was the most important thing to her and she used to, I, I was very aware of that and she said that. And that was partly because she wanted to improve on her own shit experience with mm. her mother. So she, she was very yeah. actively breaking a cycle of neglectful 
negative mothering and she wanted to be better than that and she, she was so mm. that was it was more an emotional um thing with her that I found impressive but and also because she's um you know had some times as a kid as an adult she's much more kind of like get on with it than me and so yeah. my children have seen so much more of my emotional life like yeah. I remember the handfuls of times I saw my mum cry as a kid like mm. not very often and I that worried me as when I was older and mothering myself I was thinking I don't hide my true self from my children I yeah. they get all of me um mm. so that was the thing that I found the the thing that I had to kind of reconcile and I even said to her you know and she she just was like you are you and you're absolutely what you are and good luck trying to hide your emotions even if you <laughs> wanted to so you know and it's fine I've got these mm. emotionally articulate little kids and I think that's because um you know that's been a part of our lives but yes the other aspect of what you said about this kind of this tension and I suppose the thing that I resist with that is the framing of it as these two things like that you've got this side of yourself that's passionate and ambitious Mm. and uh you know you have an idea of who you are as an individual in the world and that's one side and then there's this other side where you're capitulated and serving Mm. and uh negating uh your your this this singular self and I just don't see it like that I feel like for me at least it's all so connected and I feel like for me the thing that I find most interesting about motherhood uh certainly in my writing but also just as something to consider is as a relationship rather than like as a concept so mm. I'm interested in it as uh, a relationship and a very intense and profound relationship and and it's got certain particular qualities that other relationships don't have but it is first and foremost a relationship and that's how yeah. I see it and so for me my mothering is a relationship with three human beings and they are my human beings obviously Mm, and mm. the way I think and the way I behave is so interconnected like I and that's probably because I haven't had a conventional job like I used I remember in the early stages of motherhood I envied women who had like corporate jobs who had you know designated maternity leave and they had to come back and someone noticed what they were up to you know and Mm. um or, or that kind of thing, whereas I was kind of, you know, I've always just sort of muddled along with both and yeah. the, 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 the boundaries have not been so clear for me. Maybe that's why. I, it's interesting. I love hearing each person I talk to have their own um, sort of perception of this and mm. that's, I guess, what I'm trying to understand because I don't, I don't understand this feeling I have and this way of trying to work out my life and I think what you said it's so interesting because maybe that's why maybe it's because similarly with you I haven't had a traditional career and a traditional trajectory in my career so I've always had to sort of pick up all the pieces as I mother along the way and it's been very confusing because a lot of other people don't you know oh okay I'm going back to work at six months baby goes in daycare um I'm away from baby, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And I've never really had that experience. So it's very complicated, isn't it? But also like if anything makes what I just said completely explicit is this, the thing that you're doing now. I mean like of course you, you have literally um, created a mode of your career or your professional life that um, is inextricably about your mothering. So like you've made that, yeah. that <laughs> you know, um, it doesn't have to be that or that um mm. embedded but it is in mm. your case so i think yeah. sometimes there's the this challenge of 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 this false dichotomy between mm. our lives and being a mother and i mm. and i also and it's the same way like i um i had a very different experience after each baby and i've had we'll get to that i suppose but um, yes yes but what i would say is that i have not i'm the same person mm. so i'm mm. I, I, I am 
Yeah, and I didn't become a boring, sexless lump, you know, and <laughs> and um, not interested in the world, you know, just because that's, I, that's the biggest fear I think behind motherhood before people become a mother. Yes, I don't want to be that person. No, and I was mm. listening to uh, a writers' festival thing with some younger writers, uh, and they were being lovely about mothers, like very sort of. Um, feminist and supportive but they were saying you know women don't become um you know this idea that you become a mother and then you just you know you're sexless and you, and I was just like what is what have you yeah. I mean what, what is this that you're sort of saying that there's this societal myth but at the same time you're you're perpetuating it yeah 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 and that's the yeah and that's another thing that I grapple with I think mm. is the the label of mother yeah and what people see it as yeah when, we see it individually very differently. Um, so just going back to the writing when yes. you had your first baby, <laughs> yep. how soon after you had that first child did you feel the pull to be writing again? Were you doing it the whole time? Was there a break for you? It was very good timing in that Camille was two weeks old at my book launch and there was a sort of I was so happy with her even though she didn't sleep at all like during mm-hmm. the day at all and I mm. that was a shock um <laughs> but I had stuff sort of not much but I had enough going on with my book that I felt v- validated you know that yeah. there was a there was something happening yeah um you know I went to the Brisbane Writers Festival with her when she was six weeks old that kind of stuff that's kind of amazing yeah um <laughs> and then you know, that, yeah, and I remember taking her to a hotel room for something else and I remember the first night without her was because I had to go to a event in Canberra and I remember, you know, making making sure the organisers knew that, oh, I, this was the first night without my baby and I was like, really? Now I just think, <laughs> oh, God, first-time mother. It's a big deal though. It, oh, my gosh, so funny. But, you know, and we, we are very um, sort of symbiotic. You know, she's always been yeah, like a little yeah. emotional radar for me um, and that's quite hard. Yeah. But it's also, it's lovely. Um, but I, then I kind of, what happened? I I went back to my PhD, but um, there were 13, there's 13 years between my first book and my second book. So safe yeah. to say I wasn't exactly on a single track um in that time (laughs) and it's very complicated that's okay you were still obviously doing a lot of things though it doesn't have to be shown through novels that you've released Mm. you still had a very fruitful 13 years I'd I'd love to hear about you know we were talking about um the way society views mothers and Mm -hmm. the way you know that stereotype gets perpetuated and I'd love to know about your experience with friendships during that time, especially transitioning into motherhood, did you have friends that were mothers or became mothers around the same time or were yeah. you quite isolated? No, I I think, and I think this is crucial because my friends and I had babies at roughly the same time. So okay. uh, I had one friend who's now like maybe three years before me and at the time that seemed so far ahead in life and I remember yeah. going, I mean I saw her within hours after she'd given birth and I'll never forget going and visiting her in hospital she was the first person apart from my sister mm-hmm. who was my kind of contemporary who um you know who had just mm-hmm. had a baby and I remember even uh her birth like she her birth singlet was still like sitting on the ground and and I remember just going oh wow there's some stuff on that you know and it was and she was amazing and yeah so but then um no I was fine with that I was very lucky in fact um one of my absolute best friends was pregnant at the same time as me with my second Mm, that's amazing and so you know that's ridiculously Mm, lucky and I think it also meant for me, the kind of mother's group thing with the first baby was not a big deal at all. Like I barely did it. It seems to be the common thread among all of my guests. Oh, really? Yeah. Hardly anyone has 
gone through with their mother's group. Well, it's interesting. I did see. I did with my third. Okay. And, and a little bit like Ivy in my novel, I actually yeah. requested to if I could join a mother's group, mm. even though I was a third-time yeah, mother. Get, yeah. Yeah. You don't get put in them for those no. who are listening. And second, third time. Yeah. And so I was living in a different area, and I was like, I'd like to. Um, yeah. And that was that was not that was nice, and the, mm. the it was positive, and I I, I was glad, that, yeah, glad that I did that, and I'm hoping that, you know, we will some of us will reconnect when they start school. Yeah, I'm not down on the, on the mothers group thing at all, and I know some people who've had incredible experiences with it, but I yes. it was certainly yeah. not an issue for me. People who already knew me, I think that's that's crucial that, you know, having a child with the friends around the same people. So there's that consistency. Yeah. And yeah. Because you can get deep quicker. You don't have to do the surface stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That they understand you and they, yeah, whatever limitations you're going through or whatever changes, you know, it's fine. They remember you. They remember mm. you. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Wellread. Wellread is a curated book subscription service that handpicks the best new literary titles and delivers them straight to your door. Offering an antidote to the endless scroll and a solid distraction through lockdown, they are here to keep you well-read. Head to wellread.com.au and enter Mother Other at the checkout to receive 15% off your first order. So let's dive into the book. As I mentioned oh, yes. earlier, the performance is one of my favourite books of the year. It unpacks so much within it, um, especially sexism, racism, privilege, the climate crisis we're all facing. But in saying that, what I loved the most, obviously, was um, how you encapsulated the moods of motherhood hmm. so articulately. And I find it pretty rare. I think there's a lot of literary inquiry into motherhood these days, but it's not always evoking the right mood for me and I think you really nailed it so would you mind reading out a passage for us sure just for context maybe I should explain this is from the point of view of Margot who's one of the characters in the novel she's in her early 70s so and she's got a son who's in his 40s and a new granddaughter she's looking back on when she was a new mother herself I pushed his pram around our concrete neighbourhood and wished I were carrying a placard that announced me as the person I was before, BC, before child. Oh, how I enjoyed that joke. If I saw groups of women with babies, I felt a deep ambivalence. I wanted to join their posse and ask them, how? How do you do this correctly? What am I doing wrong? Or more precisely, what cognitive dissonance do I need to allow myself to enjoy this experience at this time? But when I saw a group of women and children, I also wanted to speed up, bouncing the pram over bluestone and across roads, as though to escape any inkling of an association with the group, scared of a contagion of contentment that was only possible with a profound letting go into fate and circumstance. I could not accept my fate. I fought against my circumstances. I eventually manufactured demands from my employer that meant it was essential to leave Adam with babysitters. I told lies about what people at the university were expecting of me. I complained about the fact that women's lib had barely tickled the edge of the real lives of mothers with careers. There's so much talk of equality, I'd say, but the only way to get on with the job is to behave like a man and cast the offspring aside. So, so good. I love that she jokes about BC being uh. before child because I, I think, especially for me and having two children, I see myself as slightly different before and after each child. Yes. I, I, yeah, I look at myself as just, I don't know, I'm, there's an emotional and physical change each time and I think um, it really impacts who you are. And also you're in the absolute toddler baby is the most <laughs> unbelievable thing, <laughs> like in terms of just practical management and emotional kind of regulation and oh. I mean I I th- that is I used to think no 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 this might really annoy anyone with twins but I when I had a toddler <laughs> I had two under two and I used to yeah. think it twins would be easier because maybe <laughs> maybe they would be vaguely comparable but I, you know you yeah. could just never nail it with them yeah. anyway that's a different no yeah I think there's something to say for that because you sort of think well maybe I can leave the twins 
together for one minute while I walk out of the room, but you can't leave a toddler and a baby together. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, not. Uh... It is totally a tumultuous time. I'm just outside of the two under two. It's like a few months oh, yeah. out, but it's basically the same thing. No, no, really. yeah, totally. Two in nappies. Ugh, yes. It's, yeah, it's full on. Did you have something to say about the, the passage before I move on? Oh, I would say that's absolutely not me at all. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, that's, she, that was one of the things. Yeah, that is very um, – so Margot, my, the character, she she's a, mm. you know, tenured academic with a proper job when she has her child. So that, that experience <laughs> of um, resisting the the particularities of, of motherhood is not is not me. That's that, – I mean, there are aspects to it, of course, but um, mm. yeah. When you asked me to read that passage, I thought, oh gosh, that's an interesting thing because I think <laughs> one of the things I wanted to do in this novel was offer a a, a variety of experiences of of yeah. mothering and also being mothered as a kind yeah. of and all of and try and give all of them um, a, le- a legitimacy. So there's mm. another mother in there who's just like can't help herself from pulling out her phone and looking at her little baby's face because she's just yes. so enraptured by him. And I feel like that's a representation of motherhood that is not really, is a bit taboo almost um, mm. for, for an intelligent person. Like, you know, yeah. you, you shouldn't yeah. be in love with your or obsessed with your little person in that way. So I wanted to kind of show lots of different things and, yeah, and I've my own experiences have been across the board too. That's funny you say that about that that character who is obsessed with looking at photos of her child yeah. on the phone because I was going to ask you there's a there's a line where you wrote she loved her child the very most when he was asleep. She was able to feel contented by the fact of his existence while having respite from attending to his needs. And I thought that resonated so heavily with me because <laughs> When I do finally get my child to sleep, the funny thing is about it that I generally do pick up my phone and oh, look at photos them. of them, oh. especially at night time. It's something that I'm, I mean, I've always got other things happening as well, e.g. podcasting, but it's something that I can't help. No. Like once they once they settle and go down, I wondered if that was something you did as well and that's where well, that again, came from with the character. That that bit that you've pulled out <laughs> is, again, that's Margot. So you're, mm. um, so she's the most... Uh, She's certainly not looking at pictures of, of Adam when he's asleep. Um, she, she's a different time frame as well. But. Yes, absolutely. Yes, she doesn't have. Mm. She wouldn't have had a mobile. <laughs> Sorry, what did you ask me? If you had also been the kind of person that pulled out your phone and looked at photos like the other character, yeah, I know, right? yeah, I'm Ab- bad with the names. Yes, um, absolutely. I still do that. I do that mm. with my 12-year-old daughter. Yeah. And I don't I it's love. Yeah. I used to kind of grapple with the oh I you know the, the where, where do you find a sense of completeness if you're not complete you know if when you're with yeah. them you're preoccupied or when you're not with them you're thinking of Yes. Them. And I was like, well so what? You know, that's that's called complicated life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I and again, I've had very different with each one, I've had very different experiences after the birth mm. and the, all mm. of the stuff. Um so I am I wouldn't want to generalize at all because I have had absolute besottedness, I've had postnatal depression, I've had mm baby that like restarted my creative life in a way that I would never have imagined with but you know so I've had I don't think that there's a a particular way and as you said like each time you have another child you realize it's a new relationship with a new person it's not just this kind of static condition called mother yeah 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 that's so well put it's so true every child does evoke such a different version of yourself as a mother yes do you think well, I'm sure it has, but how much has motherhood impacted your thinking and writing each time? Has it changed each time? Absolutely. I mean, I don't even know. Again, this is the kind of thing I can't even sort of necessarily separate it out because mm. yeah. I, again, I think, and this is, an, this is maybe another taboo, but, like, I feel I understand more about 
everything since yeah. I've become a mother. But that could also be getting older and just living and having mm. experiences and being vulnerable and having things go wrong and, you know, all the things that life, the longer you live, the more you understand. And in my experience, I feel like my children have are absolutely inherent to, to who I am and the way I view the world. But then also in my first novel, before I had children, there's there's mothers and babies. I mean, you know, we all have, that's where we all come from. We've all got yeah, a mother yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just bulk standard life, you know. And Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe that's why it's dismissed so much as well because it is such a normal aspect of life. Yes, but it's so it can be so consuming and so then there's this kind of overcompensation to give it mm. its kind of status. There's something about motherhood where, like you said, you feel like, I can't remember the word you used, whether you said you feel wiser or something along those lines yeah. as you become older or Definitely. whether it's motherhood. But I yeah. think part of it may be that when you are a mum, I mean, there's so much going on, especially like right now with the two-year-old and the to- um, the baby thing, but all of this sort of surface stuff is there's no time for it anymore. It's all stripped away and it comes back down to the really basic needs and the basic I'm not sure how to word yes. what I'm trying to say, but I think you get to the essence of the thing. The essence of, the, of life, really. Of life, yeah. And and you might get to that in a multitude of other ways as an adult person yes. moving through yeah. the world. But in my case and in your case, that's partly come through mothering. And it's real. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's about yeah. getting real. And, yeah, you know, it, it shatters a lot of your bullshit. And your delusions yeah. and your and it's also about control. And I think again, mm-hmm. there are multitudes of ways that human beings can can learn that control is a, an illusion. But mm. becoming a mother <laughs> is a very good is a very good one one for that. A quick way to get there. <laughs> um, and also, I think when you're a, when you're a new mother, you also think that the littlest ones are the the real mothers. Like I, I, I don't know, like I used to think when, when people had children that that wasn't as significant, that that was kind of like you're used to it by then or it's not that big a deal. But it's just as uh, intense, sort of. I mean, it's not, it's not as, yeah. it, it's different. It's not as kind mm. of um, viscerally and physically as intense. Mm. But I find my relationships with these three people is they evolve and I think that's the other thing about it, which is unlike other relationships, is that these are these are relationships that by their very nature are constantly changing. And so yeah. that's exhausting. So you're navigating. Yeah. It's like being in a love relationship with an adult, imagine, and they were constantly changing, trying out new things. You know, you, that would be a really, that would be an exhausting and intense <laughs> life experience. That's yeah. what mothering is. It's it's adjusting yeah. and recalibrating. And emotionally unstable. <laughs> yes, and emotional and constantly regulating your emotions or not mm. failing to mm. um, and all the love and the and the disappointments and the adjustments and the and the newness of mm. love is happening all the time. And so then it's yeah. also fleeting, which makes it intense. Yeah. Because they're so well, so yeah. right, and so well put, and it's a good explanation. The relationship with an adult human yeah. who's just erratic. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of logistical, the logistical side of everything, how yes. do you manage time and space yeah. to write? I know it's probably a lot simpler now, although not with COVID. Mm. Um, but what about when they were smaller, and then as it did it change as they got older? Yeah, well, I didn't manage it. Um, I, I didn't want to, like for a while with Camille, I was going to wallow in her for a little while and I, and I was fine with that Mm. and I could, Mm. um, and then I, you know, I had plans and that was going to be book, baby, book, baby, book, baby. That was kind of, you know, the grand vision and. Yeah, that didn't that didn't <laughs> happen. And then I had a baby and a under two year old, and the under two year old had never been in childcare. Mm. And so that's a top tip. 
don't have another child unless you've successfully institutionalised the first one to some extent. <laughs> that would be um, because, it, you know, and I, I managed and I had, I can't even remember. Like I do not remember. The hands on the face oh. for those listening is just all you need to explain how you're feeling. Right yeah, now. so I had a, I don't remember the first Honestly, the first 18 months of my son's life, my, yeah. my, the second one, I was not, mm. it, yeah. Not coping. No, I mean, I kind of was on a functional level, but it wasn't yeah. good. Internally. No. And yeah. I was, um, and I was very much in that mode that I know a lot of new mothers can get with their first baby but I had had that was the other reason why it was such a shock because I had had um just that feeling of absolute entrapment and this is you know the the inescapable kind of relentlessness of it was um all I could conceive of and I was just so Mm. enraged that I'd kind of not managed to write another book and then I kind of crawl through that tunnel I did a PhD and then I was teaching a lot and in terms of managing time and space like I there were there were years I would say literally years where even when I managed to get the time and the space Mm. I was so either grateful or anxious or nervous about finally getting the opportunity to write properly that I just was blocked stunted I couldn't I couldn't there was no intellectual or creative freedom I might have yeah. had practical freedom, yeah. but I couldn't utilise it at all. Mm. Um, and that was nothing to do with my children. That was um, all about my own sort of uh, creative hang-ups. Yeah. Um, so I don't... And do you think maybe because it had been such a, a maybe a long period yeah. of being trapped with two children that it had impacted your ability to just freely think? Uh mm, no, it was more, uh, I don't think it was those circumstances. I think it was more, I was so furious with myself for not having okay. yeah. done the follow-up book. And then that mm. kind of self-loathing and self-deprecation just became this cycle of, yeah. Um, you know, you can't, you are not, you have no creative freedom when you're in that state. That's absolutely yeah. um, hopeless. So I kept mm. sort of working in a, in the, in academia and I got like offices occasionally where I would have to do my teaching work, you know, sometimes. And then I'd try and think, okay, this morning I'm going to write. And, you know, I couldn't, I never kind of got any uh, residencies that I applied for. I'd fret and worry about whether I should apply for something that would take me away from home for three weeks. And I'd, and then I'd go, no, all right, I'm going to re- – and then, if, then I wouldn't get it anyway. And it's like, ugh, mm. you know, there's a lot of that kind of going on. And and also with childcare and the practicalities, which was, I think, part of this question, the last semester I taught um, at uni, I had I was teaching one subject that had a lecture and two tutes and I was doing all of them. And they was, that was spread over three days. So I had like a contact one hour – one and a half hours, one day, which is absolutely appalling for someone who has to arrange childcare, yeah. um, you know, unless you've got some unicorn babysitter or nanny or something who can do mm-hmm. an hour a day. I mean, you know, th- th- it was just yeah. an impossible situation. And yeah. um, so I've had all those sorts of difficulties. Then with my third baby, I had got to a place where I was, I had exhausted myself, my, my not being right creatively um, had exhausted me and I had had enough of it and I'd got mm. to the point where we'll either give up or just get over it. And I yeah. was, it had just been too long and it was too much and I couldn't do anything about the past and, you know, I really, something kind of, shifted for me so I when I had my mm. third baby I was like writing my novel on my notes as I was walking around with him in the pram when he was newborn yeah. like it was not it was the absolute opposite of motherhood as 
creative stiflement. It was Mm. this child gave me like he was, you know, incredibly good at sleeping as long as there was motion. So I would go for like a two-hour walk in the morning and a two-hour walk in the afternoon and he would sleep the whole Mm. time. And I Mm. had my brain in Mm. that time. And, uh, but I also couldn't do anything else. So that was like the most (laughs) incredible gift of kind of momentum, like literal walking momentum. And then I, you know, and he was also really good at childcare. And by the third one, I wasn't hating myself for wanting to put my child in childcare two days a week when he was like nine months old or something, you know? And so very, very, you know, a wide range of experiences in that regard. But now I've got a space outside, a a studio at the Abbotsford Convent in Melbourne, which is this beautiful place. So beautiful. That's incredible. And it's like I go in there and I almost cry with gratitude every time. Like I just Mm -hmm. can't believe it's true. That's been huge in terms of that time, space, great. Because I, for the first time in my life, I go in there into that space and I actually am capable of compartmentalising, which is something that Mm. I just think is, I've always thought was just this illusory notion. Like Mm. who are these people who can switch off or only, (laughs) you know, like that's, how is that? How do you do that? Um, Do you think that's something to say about coming through those early years of motherhood with each mm. child and, and them growing a little bit and having a bit more individuality? I think it's it's a acceptance of yourself and I think when yeah. you're an earlier mother, you still believe that there's a right way to do it and you still believe that you can stuff it up in a way that you wouldn't tolerate in other parts of your life. I mean, you know, adult women don't usually don't you know seek advice on how to dress or what to eat or you Mm. know what things to be passionate about and care about but there's this kind of idea that there's this secret truth with motherhood that if you ask the right questions or read the right thing or look in the right place you'll you'll get the key to how it must be or should be or the right thing and and Mm. when really it's just another part of your life and your and they're your children and yeah, the rest so of the world doesn't understand, you know, it, it's you yeah. and, and that's the thing. And I think, yeah, learning that is huge and yeah. enjoying them, not yeah. being annoyed about the predicament. And I, this is an absolute cliche, but recognising that it changes, that you aren't, yeah. you, you know, which you can't see when you're really in the in mm. quagmire. Yeah. What, what advice would you give to either mums who are hoping to be published writers or writers who are hoping to be mums about that sort of conundrum and period of time trying to write? People that already have like an established writing practice who then become mothers, I think that's interesting. You know, people that say, I've got to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and write for three hours. It's sort of like, oh God. So I think (laughs) sort of um, losing any idea of the right way to, to do the work I think is probably a very important uh, key to being functional. So, yeah, it's still you still might be able to go to a cafe for half an hour, or you, you or you might be writing a novel into a voice recorder, or you might you know like it will change, and it's okay. And and there's so much mythology around creative practice and what's mm. successful and what and what is successful is what makes you feel like you're doing it is my, mm. you know, it's the, and yeah. anyway, and it can be five minutes, it can be five weeks of like you have to escape and that's the only way you can do it and you can't do it at all otherwise. Well, that's fine too. If that's that's how you work, it doesn't matter. And try and keep reading. But, again, that's me. Like I can't write without reading and I the only the times in my life when I've really lost it the most has been when I haven't been able to read. I think yeah. that's a real test of what's going on. Yeah, that's um, happened to me. I'm not mm. a writer, but but I feel quite the same. Mm. Um, and I find that during my pregnancies, every time there's this period of 
my brain just goes to Marshall yep. and I can't read and I become the type of person that would rather sit and watch reality TV, which I don't have any judgment against, but it's not normally me. Yeah. It's so strange to experience that, but there's so many things going on hormonally yep. and emotionally. and. But that's okay too. It's like yeah, I yeah. think I do. I'm, I'm Each pregnancy I had, I was the fittest I've ever been. Like I'm not a oh, sort wow. of organised exerciser at all. Mm. Um, I was like, a, I was a ballet dancer as a young person. And then now I'm just, yeah, you know, I'll dance around my lounge room. I'll go for a walk. I don't do sport and yep, I don't yep. do kind of like, <laughs> I don't jog, you know, and yep. so, but I was very committed in all my pregnancies to doing, um, like prenatal Pilates. And mm. also I had like little biceps, <laughs> and and then and and I don't know why and I think there's something there about the fact that I think it's worth the time. Like I don't think yeah. I would take myself to a off to a Pilates class. I mean, I I don't. So mm. um, it's really interesting. I think pregnancy is very transformational, obviously mm. in the but it's mm. also transformational in a lot of more subtle ways, like how you behave mm. and what's yeah what you value and. And I, th- I think you just got to go with that. And I think for me, doing all the Pilates was about going into labour um, with the illusion Strong. of strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I like it's, that. It's so interesting hearing you say that because I was the literal opposite. Oh. Every pregnancy, I had this vision of myself before I would get pregnant. Like, <laughs> oh, when I'm pregnant, I'm going to be that Pilates, right. yoga pregnant lady. Never did a single class never did a single yeah. exercise but normally but, you're a fit person no, well not now because I have two children but but yeah I do love yeah, yoga yeah. I do love Pilates yeah. I do love long walks yeah pregnancy it's so different for every person isn't it you just never know what it's gonna dish out and also for. each well I've had very I'm very long gestator like my first two babies were yeah. 42 weeks yeah like uh um <laughs> and then the third one was like practically his due date I think they're they're different each one is different as yeah. well. Mm. I'd love to hear if you have any authors that you've found that explore motherhood well for you. Oh. I'm convinced you'll say a few that I love because of your style of writing, but I'll leave it up to you and see what you come up with. The first thing that comes to mind, which is sort of n- not at all theme motherhood, mm. are Helen Garner's diaries, the, both volumes of those, one of the things about them that I adore is her relationship with her daughter, who is clearly yes. her absolute favourite person in the world. And yeah. the way she speaks about that little girl and then the teenager, and she just, I just think, oh, it's, she's just so forever um, pleased that she is this person's yeah. mother. And that is an unusual um evocation of motherhood I think Mm. um and she's also like just doing she's still herself her same complicated you know messy self but but this this um relationship with her daughter is so wonderful and I I I loved that (laughs) yeah I, I I find I respond more to that where it's kind of an incidental not incidental because she's absolutely the linchpin of her life but it's not it's not explored. She's not grappling yeah. with what it is to have this child. Yeah. She's just yeah. bloody happy she's got her, you know? Mm. And that was kind of before there was a lot of literary inquiry into motherhood that we're seeing now. Well, maybe not. For, I, I'm speaking maybe of the more modern takes like Cusk and Deborah Levy and stuff like that. Yeah, I like I, Yeah, I like Deborah Levy's kind of... Um, Yes, what she, the, the sort of relationship she has with the old older kids—that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's you sort of think, yeah, that's what you, that's what you like. I'm trying to think of like early mother. One of the the most interesting books I've read about, um, well, it's set during labor and it's called Eleven Hours, and it's Eleven Hours of Labor, oh. and it's by a, wow. a U.S. writer called Pamela Ehrens, E R E N S. And it's from the point of view of the the mother who's in labour mm. and the midwife. Oh, I've never heard of this. This sounds really interesting. Yeah, it it's really. I don't know how I found it. I think I found it because I because my book is set during uh, 
like across just the per- a period of a single performance of a play. So I was looking yeah. at uh, more recent fiction that had very contained timeframes. Mm. And so I think that's how I found that book. But it that is a incredible uh, evocation of that aspect of mm. things. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that book. And another sure. one that I think is really interesting is a uh, anthology. I think that there's this cult around recent stuff that kind of gives it, elevates its status as if women haven't been writing about mothers and there haven't been children and babies in literature forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yes, it's, it's shifted, but I still think it's been there forever. Yeah, for sure, yeah. But, yeah, so this, this anthology I was thinking of is by a Canadian writer called Moira Davey. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, and I can't remember. I think it's called Mother Reader and it's got incredible. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll, I'll have yeah. to give you the details. But it's an, but it's an anthology of essays and and fiction writing that covers motherhood and it, the, the diversity in it is, is really incredible and the time frame is really interesting and it's it's got mm. all sorts of stuff in it. And it's very brainy as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. And what what I said, I guess I, I probably framed it wrong Mm-mm. before when I said the Ghana diaries were written before, and I didn't mean before people were writing about motherhood. I think I meant more my interest is in the many different perspectives of motherhood like we've been talking about. Yeah. And that's what I loved about your book and that's what I love about, for example, Cusks. I know that there's a lot of love and hate for that book, um, A Life's Work, because it's quite full on and really brutal about her experience of mothering but I kind of loved that honesty yeah so Um, I've got I won't say much but I'll just say that I had I've had spent a bit of time with her and my advice would be not to meet your heroes (laughs) I'll just leave it at that oh gosh I have I have many stories of meeting my heroes no writers actually but and I met a musician once and it was yeah. I stopped listening to their music. Yep. Because of Well, this. that's where I'm at. Right. I see. Yep. But yeah, I do I do love asking people, especially writers, about what what comes up for them when I ask them about motherhood in literature because everybody has a different answer and I love that you said Ghana because she's one of my favorite writers. Yes. And I've always wanted to recommend her when people ask about motherhood, but then thought maybe it's not enough about motherhood to to recommend it as a yeah. book with themes of motherhood, but it's it truly does have that throughout oh, that thread throughout. Absolutely, and she she writes about her in a way where she's she admires her and yeah. she values her as an individual separate from herself, but not in mm. any kind of um, overdetermined or or deliberate way. She just um, mm-hmm. has this real respect for her. I mean, God. I don't know. Who knows what what the reality is? But I, I think, um, and she's like, and then when she writes about her grandchildren, it's the same. Yes, yes, um, yes. So I, I think, was going to say the same thing. Yeah, in the spare room, especially, she talks about her granddaughter coming over. All yes, the time and, and that sort of idyllic shared space. Um, yeah, communal area. Yeah, and that's not for everyone. Um, mm. And you know how you negotiate grandmothering is an is a is another whole thing yeah yeah (laughs) yes it is I could honestly talk about this with you all day Mm -hmm. um, but we have to wrap it up because I'm running out of time but thank you so much for chatting with me about all the highs and lows and for our listeners Claire's book The Performance is published by Hachette and you can find it at any good bookstore I highly recommend that you do thank you so much for spending time with me chatting with me thank you for having me it was wonderful